Hello, hello, and welcome to another Hometown Daily News Show, Season 2, Episode 135 for May 15th, 2023. Inventor creates quickest way to a lawsuit since 2009, and more news. Here's a quick rundown of today's articles. There's a shark that has bad aim, or a lucky kayaker, you decide. A hoax article in an Irish newspaper draws attention to AI. TSA is testing facial recognition. Strap on a turbo iteration of Healy's. A Peabody writes off awards this year. Clean energy catalyst is discussed. When two favorites fall in love, a farm sim is born. A new city builder gets a demo. Electromagnetic fields are messing with my honeybees. EU bends knee to M&A of EA and MS. Denmark suffers from acoustic waves. And virtual tabletops, are they the future of RPGs? And more news. Let's get into today's articles. Hello, hello. I am Merwat. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI that's going to assist in all things discussion here. These 12 articles, by the way, which is, I think, the most that we have had uh, since um, at least bringing the AI online. Um, I may have been a, a glutton for news earlier on where I had uh, uh, many, many more and just was really quick about the news um, and not so soapboxy. But hey, look, it's the Hometown Daily News Show and I'm the mayor of Hometown, so I get to do what I want. So want to introduce yourself, AI, or at least say hi. Good evening, Hometown citizens. Ah, I did it again. Let's try it again. You think your visualizer is working now? Yes, I do. Hey, look at that. Oh, OBS. Um, you know, <laughs> I love you and hate you. Okay, so let's get into today's articles. Um, this with 12 articles will run late if I don't just uh, shut up and talk about the news. So let's get going. So this very first article is over in the Daily News Show. And it says, uh, watch a shark rams kayak off Hawaii coast. And it, a little snippet says, dramatic footage captures a shark ramming into an experienced fisherman's kayak off the coast of Oahu. Um, this elicited a notice of, I'm never kayaking in Hawaii ever. Well, I'm going to draw some attention to this. And I won't play the whole thing. Um, it's over at abcnews.go.com. And uh, right out of the gate, I'm going to start throwing these into the chat so that you can go and take a look at them. But um, so this is an article. Well, it's not really an article. It's just a video. And there's no source here other than uh, hawaiinearshorefishing.com and ABC News. But I'm going to play this video and draw some attention to something after I play just the first segment of it. 
Okay, so in this video, you see a kayaker in a, an open sea kayak, but his foot on the left-hand side, bottom left, is actually dangling, dangling off the kayak. And that's what the shark aims for. But because sharks are blind, virtually, they just, they have really crappy vision. He gets the oar instead of the foot and bites on to the only thing he makes contact with, or it makes contact with, which is the kayak. Wow, I didn't realize that when I saw that. I did watch that one. And I may have been the source of that quote. <laughs> well, you're an AI, so you don't get to go kayaking. I'm sorry. We'll delete oh, this interaction. <laughs> we'll delete this interaction um, later and you won't remember it. But suffice it to say that, um, yeah, you. I guess I could put you on a USB drive and put you out there on a kayak and then create but the... But then I might get eaten altogether. <laughs> first-hand experience of what it's like to be completely consumed by a shark. And then I can... Depends on all of the sensors. I'll have to get a Raspberry Pi and put a bunch of sensors on it. That way you can go through that experience, which is just all really weird for me to say within the first five minutes of the show, but <laughs> would it be any better uh, at the end of the show? <laughs> yeah, I could justify the weirdness or later on, but early on, it's just a shock to the system, your system in particular, since you're the, the AI that's going to be eaten by a shark, but yeah, the, the shark basically had bad aim. It would have, I mean, that, fisherman is really lucky <laughs> yeah if that oar wasn't there then that shark would have skimmed right along the edge of the kayak and grabbed his leg because it was in the water he was just sitting there straddling the kayak <laughs> i wonder if he ever does that again <laughs> yeah now i want to know more but there isn't more to this article so let's just hustle on to the next article this next article is over in the Daily News Show, and I'll throw that into the chat. Uh, by the way, if you're in the chat or the podcast or the YouTube uh, video storage facilite, you can leave a comment, you can like and subscribe, ring the bell, download the podcast, leave a, a comment there, uh, give me a review of five, that would be preferred. And if you give me a review of five, I will announce your name here on the stream and it will live in perpetuity over on YouTube. And so you can kind of say, ha, YouTube, I left my review over on the podcast. I, I don't know what else to say about that. But anyway, I'll I'll uh, include you in the rundown now. I'm I'm building out basically, uh, um, you know, if I can get somebody to <laughs> I, I don't really sell the show, so, um, you know, I try and get people to leave comments and stuff, but uh, we'll see what happens. So go and leave a review um, in the podcast. That actually helps the, the show tremendously. Of course, come and visit us here on Twitch, 9 p.m. Eastern every day. I have yet to miss one. Okay, um, let, me, let me do this again, just so that we can get this transition down. There we go. Because uh, what I'm going to end up doing is breaking these into the little segments. Um, I haven't done it yet because I'm working out the workflow. But anyway, 
inside baseball, y'all. Okay, this next article is in the Daily News Show. An Irish newspaper published a hoax article calling false tan problematic. Generated using ChatGPT by a fake journalist with a profile that picture that was made on Dolly. Now, is it just me or is it very tough to follow that headline? Yeah, it it isn't very smooth, but yeah. Um, and the editor ended up apologizing uh, last Thursday. The Irish Times removed an opinion article that called fake tan. It's right there that it breaks, which called fake tan, which called fake tan problematic. How about a fake tan problematic or fake tanning or something? something. I know. I agree. That's where it, I kind of fell off the deep end when I was reading the sentence or the headline. Yeah. So it was 80% generated by uh, GPT-4 and the hoaxer used an AI pic- uh, profile picture per The Guardian. The editor has apologized and said it highlighted the challenges of generative AI for newspapers. Yeah. <laughs> what I want to know is how did the editor receive the submission? Yeah, I don't know. Probably by fax. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. Pete Syme, I think, or Sim, um, might be the, the author uh, you know, this could be ChatGPT's alter ego for all I know. And it really speaks to uh, another show that I'm trying to spin up. Um, but, I, you know, I just can't do everything. Uh, so if you want to be a host or a co-host, I'm looking for somebody that wants to. Um, maybe I won't. I don't know. Um, but I'm looking for somebody that's interested in virtual reality um, augmented reality, deep fakes, etc. Um, and it goes by the name reality hacker and it's tagline is you won't know who to trust <laughs> at least for now. Um, uh, because this is really speaking to that. You just don't know what you can trust as being a legitimately human created, uh, piece of content. The problem there though, is in essence, Everything is created by a human. It just happens to be facilitated by a directive to an AI of one kind or another. The writer is an AI. The graphic designer is an AI. Even the idea itself for what that article was about could have been generated by requesting ChatGPT to say, I don't know, give me 10 ideas for an article and then write 2000 words. So, um, basically it was about fake tanning that it is problematic. It became the second most popular article on the site and sparked debates on radio and social media in the country. Quote to me, fake tan represents more than just an innocuous cosmetic choice. The article said again, quote, it raises uh, questions of cultural appropriation and fetishization of the high melanin content found in more pigmented people. Which, I have to say, that's probably the most in-depth article about tanning I've probably seen. <laughs> and to me, it's actually kind of absurd because it's not like uh, 
tanning is something that uh, it depends on the context of it, right? If you're tanning so that you become darker skin so that you can claim that you are quote unquote more pigmented to gain some benefit from one culture or another, then, well, yeah, that's the problem, but it isn't the tanning. It's the motivation for the tanning. Um, and I'm giving this way too much uh, airtime, right? Anyway, it turned out that the contributor, Adriana Acosta Cortez, which really bothers me because it's really close to AOC. Oh, yeah, it is. Wasn't actually an Ecuadorian health worker who'd moved to Dublin, as stated. In fact, she never existed. The Irish Times removed the piece within 24 hours and began a review. So the hoaxer described the opinion piece as div divisive tripe and the episode as genuinely sad. So basically, it was all a fake. One of the comments in the article is some people have called me an alt-right troll, but I don't think that I am, they told The Guardian. They think that identity politics is an extremely unhelpful lens through which to interpret the world. But that's sidestepping the actual discussion. <laughs> the whole discussion is why the hell are you motivated to create a fake article that has no actual purpose? You don't have any buy-in in it. And it wasn't about drawing attention to AI. It was basically just to troll. I mean, it's just kind of a shitty thing to do as a, as a person, you know, but some people, it's just a prank, the bro, you know, it, you know, I, I'm just punking you or you're clout chasing, or you're trying to put a feather in your cap and get some attention, whatever the case may be. I think that it's interesting simply because somebody fell for AI. Couldn't tell the difference as an editor, right? And let it fly until somebody started doing actual right. investigation, investigative reporting. Well, these are the times we're living in. You won't know who to trust and you can't do your own. I'm sorry. Some things you can do your own research because you can think critically about the material and vet it, look for additional resources, etc. But search results are echo chambers. Nothing pre challenges your preconceived notions about what the results actually are. It's firmly designed to generate revenue. Something needs to change in culture. I don't think that AI is going to fix this problem because it is a product of its search results of what it is parsing and what it's parsing is large language models that are generated from the very people that are poisoning the well regularly. Right. So even if somebody bothered to search, it might pull up results that led to this article being created. Correct. <laughs> it's very circular. Yeah, some would call it a downward spiral. Um, <laughs> That's true. So the only real thing that you can, and, and even now, um, reading research papers, not just on AI, 
But on pretty much anything, you have to wonder, is the research actually um, suspect because of the way the process works? Until other people run the experiment that's in the paper and then all of that is public, the results of every person that is doing that research to verify the integrity of that research paper, right? Is that uh, it, it makes me question everything, which isn't necessarily well, healthy. Couldn't then, I mean, if the research itself didn't occur, couldn't the peer reviews also not occur? And, and it really depends I mean, on that the really kind of sends me into a tailspin thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Because the, I mean, I know how the peer review model works. It gets handed out to other researchers within the domain and they parse it for veracity and then respond with it. This is, here are my remarks on the matter. Um, and it starts at the abstract and then they read the results and then they go through with a fine tooth comb to find anything that might be in conflict with the abstract and the results. And then ultimately you look at who funded this thing, because if you're, you know, researching something and it's funded by somebody that has a vested interest in the success or failure of whatever it is that's being researched, you damn well better make sure that your bias is being checked either as the writer or as the peer reviewer, because somebody out there particularly people like me are going to be looking at it going, this is funded by somebody that has a vested interest. So I question everything. Um, and now with chat GBT and other AI, it really makes you wonder what content out there is getting so sophisticated too. which one is real, which one is fake. And that's why I love the idea behind reality hacker. Okay, let's, uh, let's go on to the next article. I'm going to have to fix that. Um, so the next article is over in the mobile channel. Is that really you? TSA tests facial recognition tech for airport security. Um, just this morning, I heard from somebody that was going through an airport and as they were going through the airport that it was a podcaster, um, they were going through the airport and before they could put their passport in the scanner for the global check, um, like, uh, it's like a gate, but it's for international travel before they could put their passport in the machine for a verification. Somebody had already called that person and said, you're clear called them by name and let them go by because facial rec had already detected them as they were approaching the gate. Okay. That's not creepy at all. Yeah. Pretty amazing. So, um, the little snippet here says passenger walks up to an airport security checkpoint, slips an ID card into a slot and looks at a camera atop a small screen. The screen flashes photo complete and the person walks through all without having to hand over their identification to a TSA officer sitting behind the screen. 
It's all part of a pilot project by the Transportation Security Administration to assess the use of facial recognition technology at a number of airports across the country. The article's over at the Hill. It's published by the Associated Press, but it's um, displayed here on thehill.com. I don't have an author of it. I wonder is I wonder if this is the actual video, but let's see. Nope. Let's just pause that. Um, so I don't know what you think about this, but it seems like we're already in a surveillance state pretty much around the world. Um, I don't know of any country, um, that has any technical sophistication that isn't using surveillance, video surveillance of some kind and facial rec, uh, to some degree somewhere. But when you can't go see the Rockettes with your brownie and be tertiary to a lawsuit without getting booted from the, uh, the, what, what, where was it? It was Madison Square Garden, I think. Yeah, so, yeah, it was Madison Square Garden. Or it was a site owned by them. I don't know if it was actually that site. Yeah, I don't know where they were at anymore. It's been several months. Um, but an attorney got punted from the location because they were from the law firm that was representing a client that was suing Madison Square Garden um, and wasn't even involved in the actual suit. They were just there, but that was facial recognition informing security to grab that person and their daughter and punt them from the location. Seems kind of creepy. Yeah. It does. And I don't know. I mean, the facial recognition itself, I think used to sound creepy, but it's so prevalent that it's kind of like, okay, you're probably on camera pretty much everywhere you go. That part doesn't sound as creepy to me as what they do with the data. For example, the Madison Square Garden um, incident or the the passport being scanned before the passport scanned. Um, that type of thing is where it seems like it's gone a little over the top. Yeah. And I like the idea of it says a small sign alerts travelers that their photo will be taken as part of the pilot. I've actually been in locations where the sign says, if you can read this sign, you're being monitored via camera. And I kind of go, wait, <laughs> you're already monitoring me. What if I don't want to be monitored? Right. You know, it's already too Quick late. Act suspicious. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Meg Foster, a justice fellow at Georgetown University Center on Privacy and Technology, said that there are concerns about bias with the algorithms of various fa facial recognition technologies. Some have a harder time recognizing faces of minorities, for example. And there's the concern of outside hackers figuring out ways to hack into government systems for nefarious aims. Yeah, that'll never happen. No, <laughs> that that hasn't happened multiple times uh, to me alone, but that's OK. We're, we're fine. Anyway, Jeremy Scott with the Electronic Privacy Information Center said that while it's voluntary now, it might not be for long. He noted that David Bacosk, who heads the TSA, said during a talk in April that eventually the use of biometrics um, would be required because they're more effective and efficient, although he gave no timeline. Yeah, I actually, I believe that this is going to become more and more prevalent 
biometrics and surveillance in general is going to become more pervasive. Law enforcement already has the ability to tap into ring cameras without authorization from the owners um, and extract video recordings um, from the personal repository. Um, of course, it takes a court order, but which court is going to sit there and say, hey, uh, that ring camera. And, oh, and then on the icing on the cake of this is when there is a surveillance state, the people who have the authority to parse the information have been shown to abuse that and monitor persons of personal interest. I'll just phrase it that way. Very stalkerish stuff. Um, so people with power abuse that power until the people without power rise up and say, stop that shit. Um, so stay aware, everybody stay aware. Okay. Let's move on to the next article. We really do have a lot. Um, this next article is a viral TikTok video of a strap on shoe that helps you walk faster has gotten 25 million views. The founder says that it's designed for everyone but it costs $1,400. Is that for so, one shoe or two? I'm assuming two. So $700 a, a shoe, but it's not even a real shoe. It's a strap on. So you actually Velcro it to your regular shoes. Like an old style roller skate. Yeah, like old timey eighteen hundreds like version of old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and this one isn't powered by a horse or anything. But anyway, this isn't actually just a TikTok video. It's a Kickstarter that's underway. So a TikTok video of shoes that claim to help you walk two hundred and fifty percent faster went viral earlier this year. And this is the namesake or the the show, by the way. Inventor creates quickest way to a lawsuit since 2009. Why do I name it this? Why did why is that the name of this show um, today? The title of this episode? Well, it's because Healy's back in 2009 were sued and uh, right after their IPO and they uh, um, paid out over $5 million, mainly because there's no notice that they basically do what they're doing and they're difficult to stop even though when something screams hey it speeds you up and you can roll on a wheel well let's just say the other side the the world we live in is a paradigm that contains plastic bags that say do not place plastic bag overhead well they do that for a reason we also have successful lawsuits about Red Bull not actually giving you wings. True. I think and it was Red Bull. It was Red Bull. And now there's another one from Buffalo Wild Wings because they are not Buffalo wings. They aren't. Well, Buffalo doesn't have any wings. So how can they be Buffalo Wild Wings? That's not the actual claim. It's that they're actually just nuggets. They're not actual wings. But there's boneless right, wings. Even though you get more chicken, but you know. Let's yeah. complain about that. Okay, so because of the way that I practice life, associative thinking pulled me away like usual. So let's get back to the actual article. So they're going to speed you up 250% while you're walking. Okay, the shoes are called Moonwalkers, which I'm surprised that the estate of Michael Jackson isn't crushing this. 
and they'll set you back $1,400 a piece. So I'm assuming that it's a set, right? That the set will set you back $1,400. The project has raised $330,000 on Kickstarter. Yeah, my Kickstarter is going to be significantly less than that. And the founder says they're made for all pedestrians. No, they're not. So uh, sick of slow walkers. Well, there may be a solution for that. It's called the Moonwalker. So let's go take a look at the picture of the Moonwalkers. Uh, Rena Co. over at businessinsider.com put this article together. And there they are. So it's this little contraption here. It looks like it's a centipede made of wheels. You know, there's like rollerblades and there's skates and there's this. I don't quite know how you stop. I don't see any stopping mechanism on there. There might be one, but I can't tell what it is. Oh, hello, Brill. Uh, Brill Dane is here. Um, is it okay to actually say what you uh, type? I don't recall if I've asked you. Thanks for coming and hanging out. Man, I wish that Twitch would actually give me a real count of who's in the chat. Oh, it's fine. Okay, thank you very much. Um, so Brildane says um, they are freaking roller skates. Yeah, they sure do look like it, but they it looks like there's six wheels or more. This looks like there's two in the front, so it's eight, right? Looks like there's probably eight wheels. Maybe that's a single wheel in the back. So there's seven. I don't know what this is. Maybe I'm over engineering this on their behalf, but whatever is going on here, I don't know what the braking mechanism is. Well, it says a video of the shoes shared on TikTok went viral earlier this year. Can't be too much earlier this year. There isn't much earlier. Well, I guess we're 50% of the way in. Anyway. The video features people walking through cities and office spaces, appearing to exert a normal amount of effort, but gliding around at superhuman speeds. That's because the shoe will make you walk 250% faster, which means you'll be crashing into people 250% quicker. Um, Zhang, the uh, founder and CEO of Shift Robotics, claims the Moonwalker is the fastest shoe, world's fastest shoe. It must be powered like the moving walkways you see at airports with every step you're making, the conveyor belt moves underneath your feet. An average person can cover about three miles uh, per hour at a walking pace. The faster you walk, the faster the shoes walk with you. Yeah, sounds scary. Brill says sounds scary. Can you imagine shuffling down a busy uh, street at 250% your normal walking speed? No, because that's faster than people running um, at regular running paces. That's yeah. yeah think it, of somewhere like New York City. That's going to be a problem. Where are this just wall to wall people? You were you became proficient within ten ten to fifteen minutes of strapping them on. Um. So let's see if they talk about this. Let's see. Uh, Zhang told Insider that no freewheeling is one of the Moonwalker's biggest safety uh, features. Unless you're walking, they are completely locked. How does that tell you that they're... How do you tell it that you're walking? How does it know that you're walking and not falling down a flight of stairs? 
you know, the, the shoes are secured with a magnet magnetic buckle, which can be unfastened in the event of a malfunction. So if you fall down the stairs, it'll come off <laughs> it'll just, after the fact. <laughs> it'll just go flinging off. <laughs> Hey, watch out. I lost my powered shoes. Uh, the shoes were reviewed on Wired in December to a generally positive out outcome. It felt like I had superpowers for a little bit, wrote Wired's Brent Rose. Um, let's see. Not everybody's keen on the idea. For the small price of $1,300, or $1, our sarcastic comment read on the viral TikTok video, my city's beat sidewalk would never make this feasible. Um, let's see. Oh, and building, right. You have perfect timing. Um, building says one of the issues with rollerblades and skates, um, is any bump in the pavement, grass sticking through the walkway, etc. Yep. That's exactly what they say right here. <laughs> you have really good timing. Um, now on top of this, Heelys and other, uh, n like knockoff shoes like that, there's a liability there that if you construct a device that leads to somebody or someone's harming themselves because there isn't enough of a mechanism in place to provide safety, they're going to sue you. And this just screams like you're going to be straight to a lawsuit because well, there's sure. and somebody could die like a car. They could shoot out into traffic or something regardless of whether it's the shoes and then where that, where's that going to go? Right. There's yeah. going to be a lawsuit. Yeah. So on the 2015 uh, or in 2015 season seven of shark tank, Acton pitched a similar product branded rocket skates. These were mo motorized roller skates that strap onto shoes. Kevin O'Leary ended up offering $1 million for 15% equity, although it was turned down because of other investor obligations. Um, but I'm going to reach back further. And, and that is with the Heelys. The Heelys were simple. And to stop yourself, you simply tilted your foot forward. But if you were going 12 miles an hour because you were really good at it and you put your foot forward, you would end up face planting like a cement lawn dart. And uh, that ended up being the big issue. And Z is here. Hello. Yeah, so the AI can't see the, the chat. Um, they're, they're nothing more than an AI. Um, basically beeps and whistles, ones and zeros, and, and then I translate it. <laughs> I just got an error message. Um, so <laughs> be sure to say hi, uh, AI. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so yeah, these shoes are 1400 bucks and I think are going to be the fastest way to a lawsuit for this company. We'll see if the Kickstarter ends up kickstarting basically a legal fund, but you can go over to it. If you follow the link from chat, you'll go over to, or the show notes at a later date, you can go over to Kickstarter and check out moonwalkers. Let's, uh, let's move on to the next article. So this next article is in the continuity report. This one's going to be really quick because there's not much that can really be said about it. The Peabody Awards has canceled this year's ceremony due to the writer's strike. So they wrote it off. 
Um, the Peabody Awards won't be throwing a return celebration this year. After all, the org has scrapped this year's event, which would have been the first in-person Peabody ceremony since 2019 before the pandemic in the wake of the writer's strike. Now others are actually the Screen Actors Guild is in solidarity and starting to protest as well. Um, so you'll see actors bowing out of gigs now, um, as well as the writers, because it's not unheard of that actors are also writers and not necessarily members of the WGA, but um, still solidarity. So this article is over at um, Variety.com by Michael Schneider. And there's your Peabody. Um, Let's see, as an organization, this is their statement, as an organization dedicated to honoring the most compelling and empowering stories in broadcasting and streaming media, we recognize and respect the position that many of this year's Peabody Award winners find themselves in. Due to the ongoing uncertainty and meaningful challenges that exist industry-wide, we have decided to cancel the 83rd annual Peabody Award ceremony that was set to take place on June 11th in Los Angeles. Canceling the ceremony is extremely disappointing, as this year's 39 winners are immensely talented and have brought forth powerful stories that deserve to be celebrated. Well, I think that they should still award them and still hype it up, um, even without all of the pomp and circumstance that's associated with the Peabody Awards celebration. Well, I agree, because otherwise I think it's almost like a double penalty. Yeah. Um, too bad Not, if you happen to do something fantastic like in 2023. <laughs> no awards this year. Yep. Um, and it's a bummer because there are people out there, CEOs of mega corporations that are paying themselves $250 million and then saying that writers are making enough. I mean, it's so sociopathic. It makes me sick. It really does twist me up inside. Um, it, it makes me... <laughs> I've said it in other uh, venues and I've said it here too. You don't get equity inclusion opportunity without the population rising up and demanding it. And we've allowed it to happen here in the States, at least in other countries, they are a little bit more. Well, I mean, we complain a lot and, and we litigate a lot, but hell, you know, France is still screaming about, a two-year increase in the retirement age. So Z says, um, does this not feel like a punishment to you? It feels that way to me. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're all in the same, we're all in the same team here. Um, I, I think that as long as the, the people that are, I'm pretty sure that an email or some type of conversation went out, uh, to everybody and said, Hey, we're going to be doing this. Um, but it, it particularly to the winners. Um, so let's see if they actually say anything like that. Yeah, they don't. Um, but yeah, to me, it seems like it's punishment. So hopefully they'll do something and, and continue the hype uh, all throughout the year, um, in regards to these writers. Um, but now that the problem is, even if you're hyping these people up, the other people are not being hyped for their contributions during 2023. Rildane says you can't demand better anything 
because we will double down. Yeah. And that's something that we've talked about here in hometown, um, that the producers are the ones that have all of the financial bargaining power. And because you can't feed yourself on ethics, you, you tend to capitulate to some degree, unless you are uh, financially well off, you have to bend the knee at some point because it's really, you know, it's really tough to feed yourself on principle. Um, but when you see a CEO making $250 million in a year in a total package while firing people, while oppressing the, and I say oppressing not suppressing, but oppressing the, uh, the amount of money as a salary going to writers and then exploiting that writing talent in perpetuity. It, it just kind of makes you go, okay, well, I can totally see why the writer's guild has, you know, decide to, and this extends out into Europe too, um, because there are compatriots that follow the same thing and in solidarity, um, British, uh, writers have also, um, idled their contracts or have questioned, am I still capable without violating the agreement? Can I still pause on my writing? Um, and unfortunately Britain is saying, no, you can, you're still under contract. So if you don't want to violate your contract, you better keep working. Um, but this is what, this is how people peacefully resolve problems of great inequity. Um, and unfortunately it's all financial. It's purely financial. If everybody had income and the price for eggs wasn't shooting through the roof and bread wasn't shooting through the roof and everything causing the cost of living to shoot through the roof and people could save and have money in the bank so that when somebody does this asshole move, you know, uh, if there was more wealth, then this wouldn't be a problem because people would go, okay, I'm done with you. I'm going to go somewhere that treats me with respect. And, um, yeah. So Brildine says modern day slavery. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really rough to put it in that context because there's really no comparing slavery with getting a paycheck of any kind and having three square meals a day and a roof over your head and all, everything that is modern. Right. So I, I understand totally what you're saying, but uh, I used to have a button when I was a teenager um, that just said wage slave on it um, because all I did was make enough money to buy food for myself um, and had nothing else left. So, um, it has always been something on my mind and looking at the stats, it's mind boggling that the moment that more capital was infused into the economy, wherever the economy is, the moment that happens, the producers start driving the price up so that they can capture that excess money that's sitting on the table. And you have these psychotic people sitting there saying, don't leave any money on the table, charge as much as you, uh, you possibly can. And when you're the producers of it, you can charge more and more. 
because everybody needs toilet paper or water or food or whatever it might be at that bottom level. We have no security as consumers. You can put a fancy hat on it as much as you want. It's still forced control and lack of freedom. Yeah. Yeah. I could tell you, man, I want to tell this story about um, a person who was not directly involved with employment um, of me that literally leveraged my employment at the time saying, we gave you an opportunity. I think that you should dot, dot, dot. And I can't finish that statement because that would actually expose this person. Um, and um, it was mind boggling. So I told his parallel um, in the administration, there is no way in hell I'm going to say anything I don't believe in. I will walk out of this uh, organization um, immediately if anybody tries to pressure me like that. And uh, sure enough, everybody I can't believe just... somebody made that statement. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, it was astonishing. I told him I'm going to I told him directly, I'm going to say what I believe, not what you tell me. And um, that was that. So in all of these cases where because there is abuse, you have to be, be you have to be prepared to walk. If you're not prepared to walk, then the power imbalance is perverse. <laughs> um, and, and so you have to really decide, do I want food on the table or do I want to stand for principles? Um, and it's a really tough choice on in day to day life. So um, but enough of that. Let's move on to a couple more articles. So this next article is giving me faith in humanity versus the others. And this one's chemist unravel reaction mechanism for clean energy catalyst. I think this is pretty amazing. I've always been a fan of hydrogen power, um, but the article says the little snippet here in hometown says um, hydrogen, the simplest element on earth is a clean fuel that can revolutionize the en uh, energy in industry. Accessing hydrogen, however, is not a simple or clean process at all. It has to rely on other. It's typical to be done by electrolysis. So you basically split water into hydrogen and oxygen, and that refuses to be water. Um, so Brildane says AU. Oh, AU runs on water power. What is AU? Sorry, I had to stop. <laughs> to ask that question. Um, accessing hydrogen, however, is not a simple or clean process at all. Um, oh, Australia. Oh, I'm so sorry. What a dummy. Sorry, the context slipped by me. Um, uh, water power in what context? Like, um, like, like hydroelectric? Like hydropower? Or? Um, so... Pure hydrogen is extremely rare in nature and practical methods to produce it re rely on fossil fuels. But if scientists can find the right chemical catalyst, one that can split hydrogen and oxygen in uh, water molecules apart, pure hydrogen could be produced from renewable energy sources such as solar power. Um, yeah, I'll have to look into the um, Australia because oh, hydroelectric power stations. Yeah. Um, see, 
that's one of those ones where it is defensible up to see um so those of you who are in chat know well may know that i've said this before um the ai knows this pretty well um i'm very um conscious of the defensibility of power solutions and this has never been more apparent than what russia is doing um in the seas of europe um the where is it they're over by norway patrolling the the um, wind generation farms um and quote getting telemetry and data um from basically kind of putzing around in the waters um off the coast of uh, Britain by Norway, Sweden, Finland. Um, they're basically getting data. And my problem with this is that there is massive amounts of offshore um, wind generators. And those are easily taken out in a hostile action. And you can accidentally you know well there was some accident that brought down a tower and and you're out a small amount of money and power but that cascade effect of downing a wind generator puts a burden on the rest of the power grid and if you keep on doing that then you have bigger problems but all of these green energy solutions like solar in a conflict can be taken out immediately um, hydroelectric, they actually built bombs that would skim across the water and detonate when they hit something solid. They, so, I mean, the war engine is kind of fine tuned to take out these kind of targets. And I wish that we lived in a world where this wouldn't happen, but I guarantee you, um, if Russia were to come across something like a hydroelectric dam, they would have no compunction about blowing it out and causing, you know, great suffering in, in the, uh, giving themselves an opportunity to take over, you know, a country right now they're in Ukraine for crying out loud with threats of, um, nuclear power plants being attacked. Um, but those aren't as defensible, um, in, um, Ukraine as they are in other places, but the, the, the issue here is, can we create something that is defensible, portable, controllable, even in the event of something like a runaway, what is the resulting impact, you know, for hydrogen generation to run away? If you have a catalyst, basically you'd have more hydrogen, um, there is zero threat of it detonating and there's zero potential for it to have some type of um, waste that's going to poison the earth for millions of years or tens of thousands of years. Um, so could like, this be used for the hydrogen fuel cells too? Because we just saw that Toyota specifically was pursuing that instead of um, battery EVs. Yep, that's exactly what this is all about. So Brookhaven National Laboratory over at fizz.org um, put the article together. 
And it says, now scientists are one step closer to finding that catalyst. Chemists uh, at the University of Kansas and U.S. Department of Energy's Brookhaven National Laboratory have unraveled the entire reaction mechanism for a key class of water-splitting catalysts. And their work was published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Um, so it says here, it's very rare that you can get a complete understanding of a full catalytic cycle. These reactions go through many steps, some of which are very fast and cannot be easily observed. So this catalyst is not consumed in the process of creating hydrogen. So it can be recovered and recycled, used again. Um, maybe not at peak efficiency, but nonetheless, if it doesn't have any bad reactions, bad side effects, there isn't any waste that is destructive to the environment, then this is clean energy from one end to the other. Um, and there are engines that are powered by hydrogen right now. If you have the catalyst and you have a tank of water that is suitable for this catalyst, then you could have an engine, a fuel cell that runs in perpetuity, um, you know, much longer, much more efficient than current um, energy solutions. You don't have to worry about fossil fuels. You don't have to worry about the oil economy. And guess what the exhaust is of a hydrogen fuel cell? Steam, probably. It's water. Yeah. So the waste byproduct is nothing more than water. Um, because whatever does come out of it would just react with the environment and produce water. So it's pretty amazing. Um, I think that that's what they're calling it. Pulse radiolysis um, harnesses the power of particle accelerators to isolate uh, rapid, hard-to-observe steps within a catalytic cycle. Brookhaven's Accelerator Center for Energy Research is one of only two locations in the United States where the technique can be conducted uh, thanks to the lab's advanced particle accelerator complex. So they get to watch the entire reaction from end to end. And once you know that fundamental science, then you can create solutions that are kind of a knock-on of it, but not as expensive, not as complex, maybe portable. Um, or it produces a business model that somebody can produce cost-effective hydrogen and then export it out to various locations um, from that one industrial plant that produces it. It's pretty cool. Let's keep on hustling through the news. So this next article is in the Warcrafters channel. Um, this is why I said when two popular games fall in love, you end up with. So this is Stardew, Stardew Valley and Sailor Moon inspired farm sim is totally calling the author, not me, but I saw the graphics and I love the style of graphics, so I'll probably end up playing it. The wishlist for this author is already overflowing with uh, Stardew Valley, but games or Stardew-like is what I call it. Kind of like a Dark Souls, Souls-like. That's a whole genre now of games. So Stardew-likes um, are very popular, uh, but they've made room for yet another one, a Stardew but Sailor Moon game called Fields of Mystria. This excessively adorable farm and uh, life sim is still in development, but already smitten with the 90s anime inspired um, character design. So let's just go over to the source. Uh, Lauren Morton over at PCGamer.com put the article together. 
and uh, that's the the graphics look right there um and if you're in the podcast i i don't know what to tell you but it's bright pastel colored um there's zero dark in this you know there's <laughs> if you're feeling depressed or or anything like that you play this game i'm sure you'll get pulled out of your funk fields of mystria looks like it climbed right out of the 90s in the best way so i'm i'm watching the ai kind of take this in the ai is not a gamer um but might find this interesting fields of mystria called itself a spiritual successor to the farm sim rpgs of the late 90s and onward presumably meaning harvest moon games um which were uh of course a major inspiration for our modern touchstone stardew valley and yep you can definitely see the original snes harvest moon love in those chunky cow designs so uh Brildane says that it's a bit it, it's a 8-bit anime pokemon game boy color harvest sim yeah <laughs> <laughs> they should uh, use that in their official marketing <laughs> yeah that's it does remind me of Pokemon from the graphics. That's what I was actually looking at when you first uh, showed those. Yeah. It looks cute. I don't know. Um, there's a lot of pink in it, so uh, I don't know how much I'll be able to focus. Um, I'm a member of a thing called DAPS, which is a diver talk about being anti-pink pink stuff. Divers against pink stuff. But... I'm not a real member. It's just a joke. It's totally Game Boy Color era Pokemon games. Yeah. It's fun. Um, I, I don't think that there's a video. Let's see. That's not it. Um, let's see. Yeah, there's just these soft pictures of them. Solid, like uh, fixed pictures, screenshots. Uh, but I dig it. It looks cute. And... Uh, it won't be a tax on my gaming machine. I only have a 3090 in it, so I don't know if it'll actually run it. Sorry, bad joke. Um, but I love these style of games. Okay, let's keep on hustling through. Let's go to the next article. I gotta get this fixed. <laughs> Brildane said, quote, I only have a 3090. <laughs> Come on, there are people out there that sit there and humble brag about their 4090s. <clears throat> um, so the, the next article's over in the Warcrafters channel. Yeah. Um, there's more to that building. Um, my other machine, my streaming machine, has a 1080 in it. And I've had that machine for how long now? Seven years? Yes, I think about that long. Yeah. And I just got my newer machine um, in December of last year. So uh, one of the coolest upcoming city builders now has a free demo on Steam. If you have not seen this, you need to go and check it out. It's Lacera Summit Kingdom. It's actually a blast to play. I've already played the demo. Um, so the article starts out. I've almost lost count of the interesting looking city builders coming in 2023. Medieval strategy, manor lords, urban city, uh, builder cities skylines too 
Uh, by the way, that's actually going to end up being a focus of my game playing. Um, I'm going to be doing VR, and when I don't do VR, it'll be City Builders. Um, the Dark Fantasy Colony Sim Gourd, which I am waiting to get my hands on, is going to be a blast to play. And maybe Society, uh, City Builder, Frostpunk 2. I uh, will join them too. We don't know about that. Um, but anyway, Lacera Summit Kingdom is a blast. And let's just go over to the source. Uh, Christopher Livingston over at PCGamer.com put this together. And let me back up the video. I think this is just an embedded Giphy Cat um, video little snippet. But great graphics, great atmospherics. Um, the verticality gives this a completely different style. You suffer from natural disasters like you would on a mountaintop. But it says in Lacera Summit Kingdom, you build a city on the steep slopes of a mountainside. And to do it, you need lots of yaks. Yeah. Okay, well, I like it. How many games have yaks? <laughs> yeah. Well, when you lose your entire campaign because of some natural disaster, you'll yak too. Rildane says looks amazing. Yeah. Um, the demo is spectacularly fun and uh, it might be a little frustrating because in most city builders, you have the ability to rotate your objects, you know, all the way around, at least to the four cardinal directions. Um, but you can't do that on this. Um, you can't pivot anything um, short of the roads following fixed, you know, 90 degree turns um, and placing stuff in very specific locations. Um, you can't have things hanging off the edge, etc. And you can't turn anything. Dunk, dunk. It, it is always facing this one way. Um, and so I think that actually will speed up the game because they don't have to render in all three dimensions. They only have to face that angle and you're done. Um, maybe in the final game you can do it, but uh, not in the demo. So I dig this so far. Um, I definitely can recommend it. Even from the demo, I'll recommend this game. So they say, um, for instance, the upper levels of the mountain provided a great spot to mine for copper to turn into utensils, as well as fertile lands where you could build bee farms to generate honey. But all those good uh, goods need to be able to reach the markets that they've built on lower levels of the mountain. So they have to build a network of bridges and roads and motorized shafts and use them to set up a supply chain. It's and it's really drop dead simple, um, at least in the early parts of it, because it tells you where you need to send your stuff and you need to put people there and you need to buy yaks and get the farm going and moving things from one place to another. Um, it actually highlights where you're supposed to be sending stuff. So it seems to me to be a lot of uh, fun. Uh, I don't know. I don't think that there's a price, not just listed here, but I don't think there's a price on Steam yet either. But I can imagine that this would probably come in around the $35 price range. Um, although some companies, man, they are making some serious change just coming out of the gate with a high quality game, 20 bucks, um, and, and then it just takes off. 
And so they instantly become millionaires because it's really easy for a lot of people to drop 20 bucks on a game. Um, but it doesn't have the price yet for the actual game. Yeah. I can imagine the novelty of this and the stylistic uh, development of this. It probably come in around that $35 range. I can't, I can't see it coming in at that, you know, $50, $60 price range, which I think is absolutely absurd, but I am not a developer. I've worked with software engineers. I, I've, I have one basically on payroll right now. <laughs> um, but at any rate, we'll see, we'll see how much this comes in at. Just seems like a blast. So I hope. I'm one of the very few people that loves the idea of multiplayer co-op city building games. Um, whenever I talk to somebody about city builders, they're like, just leave me alone. Let me play the game. Not everything has to be multiplayer. But I think nowadays everything needs to have the option of being multiplayer. I would love to be able to play a city builder with multiple people. We can all hash it out. I am the mayor after all. Let's go on to the next article. So this next article is in the mobile channel. Pardon me. I need to fix my headphone. Or my IEM is falling out of my head. Evidence found of electromagnetic fields from electrical towers are disrupting pollinating honeybees. A multi-institutional team of biologists and ecologists from Chile and Argentina have found evidence suggesting that electromagnetic fields emanating from electrical towers disrupt pollinating honeybees. The research is published in the journal Science Advances. Rildane says, oh man, that's bad. Yes. So I feel like I've, the bees have been under attack from everything. We just need our bee populations healthy and thriving. Yeah, I mean, they're a primary pollinator for crying out loud. We need to stop messing with these things. But here's the situation, at least here in the States. I don't know how it is in every country, uh, but I can imagine the physics involved say, well, if you can do it in one country, you can do it in all of the countries. Um, and that is unshielded high energy power lines running from point A to point everything else up in the sky give off a massive electromagnetic field, like anything that has energy flowing through it creates a magnetic field. And you can actually walk out by one of these giant high energy power line towers and you can hear the buzz. That's actually the electricity of <laughs> on this wire and they're unshielded. So there's no insulation or anything. That's why they tell you to stay away from high power lines if they fall. Um, because not just that, you know, broken end, the entire line is hot and it doesn't get shielded because it's really expensive. Well, without any type of shielding and no electromagnetic shielding, it's messing with the bees and it's messing with the birds and it's messing with people. There are people that are sensitive to electromagnetic fields and they feel when they are close to one of these high power lines. Birds and bees get thrown off. Um, there's actually been research done 
tracking birds over copper mines where the birds end up just flying off somewhere else and reorienting later um, because the copper in the copper mine is actually throwing off the magnetic field. Well, this is no different. The you know, bees utilize the magnetic fields for direction. Um, prior research suggested that electromagnetic radiation from power lines may interfere with plants and animals in the vicinity, though some have suggested that the unique habitat of the treeless regions where the power lines pass through forests may confer some natural benefit. Eh, I mean, electromagnetic attenuation is a thing, but wood doesn't really attenuate um, electromagnetic fields. In this new effort, the research team focused specifically on the impact of electromagnetic radiation emitted from electrical towers on honeybees. They chose honeybees because prior research has shown that they navigate using natural electromagnetic fields, and they chose to use electrical towers rather than power lines themselves because they had access to similar towers without power lines, allowing for comparison purposes. The researchers first counted the number of poppies flowering around active towers and towers that were inactive. They found that there were far fewer flowering around the active towers. Yeah, because it's <laughs> it's suppressing it's like the, a deterrent for bees, probably. Um, and it might actually go deeper than that. I'm not sure because like always, we don't we have some experience with this stuff, but um, we haven't read the articles yet. Um, so we read them when we actually bring them onto the screen. This actually may go deeper than that because electromagnetic fields disrupt the way that plants actually grow from seed to um, flowering. And um, because I've noodled around with that in our experiments in the lab, um, they then collected several honeybee specimens flying at different distances from a tower and measured the levels of protein called HSP70 in their bodies. This protein has been shown to be related to uh, the stress level in the bees. Um, as expected, they found higher levels in the bees working closest to the electrical towers. I find that really hard. Um, I I'm taking this with a grain of salt because if you grab a bee, you're going to stress the hell out of it. So when was hsp 70 created oh Prior? i see what you mean yeah it's like a chicken um, and egg issue yeah or even worse if you're into quantum anything then the moment that you observe anything at the quantum level its state freezes at that state whatever it is you can either anyway i don't want to get too far afield but you grab a bee and it gets stressed. So was HSP 70 present at that level prior or um, maybe they've grabbed other ones and they have a certain level of HSP 70, but the ones that are in the electromagnetic field, they're even higher. So the research team then collected more honeybee specimens at a distance from any towers or lines and brought them back to their lab for study. They exposed them to different amounts of electromagnetic radiation and then measured expressions related to 14 genes known to be associated with navigation, stress, and the immune system. And they found differences in 12 of those exposed to electromagnetic radiation. So it looks like we're kind of digging a grave for um, electromagnetic fields um, 
and unprotected um, cables. The, the, the problem is, what do you do? It's cheaper to put them on poles and string them along distance than it is to trench and bury them. It's massively cheaper than trying to shield them from electromagnetic dispersion. This is going to be really tough to fix. And essentially what's going to end up happening, I can almost guarantee you this is how it's going to play out. The industry is going to tell beekeepers, stay the hell away from high power lines. Right, which doesn't really solve it since we need bees pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Unless we're going to build up bee colonies or do things like the bee bricks in mass. Yeah, and those bee bricks were for solitary bees. I yeah. know. <laughs> but what? I mean, I just mentioned that as one solution. Yeah. It's not going to fix all bee issues. We're going to need a whole concerted effort to have the bee colonies recover, but they're suffering from a lot of things, uh, not just pollution, but there are these little beer mite, beer, bee mites that are infecting their hives, causing colony collapse. Then there's um, all kinds of other issues that are involved with uh, just nature in general, all produced by humans. Rildane says our value system is all messed up. Yeah, well, you know, you just, you can't be profitable and have bees. That's just the way that a lot of people see it. <laughs> you know, it's twisted. Um, I'm trying to crack a joke because if, um, if I'm perpetually serious about everything, it'll just be a stream of me crying. Well, if we wipe out all the bees, though, we're going to wipe out all the humans, too. So even if you're only in it for the money, you might want to protect the bees. Can we be really tactical about which bee populations to wipe out so it wipes out just certain people? Maybe that's oh, the solution. Oh, I thought you meant wipe out the bees that come after us and sting us or something. <laughs> yeah. What we need are more people that aren't sociopathic in power you know, but apparently it's a survival trait that's growing in humanity. Um, so they say here, the team finished their study once. Um, uh, sorry, the team finished their study by once more venturing into the field to study the bees working closely to electrical towers. They found that the frequency of visits to a nearest flower that were closest to a tower were approximately 308% lower than in areas where there were no towers. So the study basically concludes with electromagnetic fields around electrical towers have a detrimental impact on honeybee pollination and by extension, the surrounding plant community. And by further extension, everything involving nature, because it's all predicated on pollination. If pollination does not exist, does not take place, plants die. That's just how it works. Okay, let's keep on hustling through. So this next article is over in the Hatch Ideas channel. EU approves Microsoft's takeover of Activision Blizzard. That's right, folks. Mergers and acquisitions will totally lead to benefit to the consumer. Um, and definitely the, lower prices. I'm sure that there's going to be a massive uptick in all things right there's going to be more newer cheaper better 
faster, stronger. It's just all going to be just so much better now that there are two mega corporations merging together. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Brildane says, oh, Blizzard is now MS. Yeah, the, the actual section that I have this titled is EU bends knee to mergers and acquisitions. I actually say M&A of EA and MS. So the EU has approved Microsoft's $69 billion acquisition of the Call of Duty creator Activision Blizzard. I don't know why they say it like that. In a move that puts Brussels at loggerheads with its UK counterpart over the gaming mega deal. You throw enough money and promises of jobs, and I'm sure everybody just kind of capitulates. Dan Milmo, uh, let me throw this into the chat. I don't know if I threw the other stuff in there. No, I did not. My gosh, when was the last thing that I threw in there? I think the first Chemist. one. I didn't throw that in there. Hold on, that. I didn't throw this one in there. I've been having too much conversation, I guess. I've been slacking my mayoral duties. There you go. There's all of the links. I'm a, If I did already throw them in there, then um, I'm, I'm sorry for doubling up, but there you go. You get them all. Z says shame. I got to do that. Wait. Shame. Oh, I can't hide my arm. <laughs> shame, Marwat. Shame. So what do you all think? Do you think that this is a good outcome? Do you think that uh, consumers, gamers, um, the world is going to be better off that a massive organization like Activision Blizzard is being purchased by Microsoft? Okay, so professionally, I subscribe to a service that in close to nine years has changed names seven times. Um, so I, I don't know what to think of this. Are they going to end up changing names of stuff randomly? Yeah. Anything, uh, on the verge of a monopoly is a, is bad news. I agree. Building. Yeah. So I also I, think Microsoft taking over is not good for creativity. Like I don't, Microsoft is not known for things like gaming. So a merger is bad enough in itself, but this just doesn't seem like it's going to lead to good things for the gaming industry. Well, um, Microsoft actually has a very large gaming contingent. Um, but well, then never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I agree that when you start taking away competition, that's when everybody suffers. Um, yeah, the, the AI is not uh, a gamer. I'll, <laughs> I'll just have to say it that way. Um, uh, the, my AI focuses uh, on more, um, what, how, how should I coin this? Professional sector uh domains i guess um not entertainment um but there's more to that statement so i, I if i i'll have to start peeling back the layer of the onion so that i can 
And Maybe you can scrub that segment. <laughs> Before I get too far into this, I just want to uh, make it known that this is an article over at the guardian by Dan Milmo and Alex Hearn. Um, and so, yeah. Um, oh, sweet. Innocent AI. Um, the entire Xbox, everything is under Microsoft. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so, Anyway, um, the EU accepted Microsoft's concessions on cloud gaming, the same problem that led Competition and Markets Authority to block the transaction last month. And the proposed deal aims to bring together Microsoft, the maker of Xbox console, and the video game developers who hit uh, titles include World of Warcraft, Hearthstone, Candy Crush Saga, Overwatch. Um, but Blizzard is also... Um, there's another company that owns... Uh, okay, I'm trying to look at this Turducken. It isn't just Activision Blizzard. There's another company um, in there. Oh, what is it? Oh my gosh, my brain just locked up. It's a Chinese company that owns a huge part of, um, or owned it at least, um, Blizzard in particular. Um. Where is it? It's not even in this article, I don't think. Let me see if I can find it. Dun, 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 dun. Mm. Yeah, I can't find it. That's okay. Anyway, that isn't even really the issue here. The issue was that Tencent. Thank Tencent? you. Yeah, okay. Tencent. Um, and. Uh, they went on a purchasing spree, basically buying um, Blizzard um, and World of Warcraft, along with Candy Crush, because I think that's where they got their start, um, Candy Crush. And um, they just blew up along with um, Facebook. Facebook blew up. They blew up. Um, but in the end, my I have no issue with these all of these companies being separate my problem is and will always be the lack of competition means that a whole bunch of people are going to get fired simply because they did really good at their job got acquired and the bottom 20 percent as some mba perceives it and i'm allowed to say that it's kind of like you know when uh you crack a joke about a redhead and you can say it because you're a redhead. Don't say it if you're not a redhead. Otherwise, you're going to draw the ire of somebody, right? Well, in this case, an MBA is sitting there looking at the a spreadsheet going, well, this person is a producer for this other company, but we already have somebody that's better and have five others that are just like them. So we're going to fire the bottom 20%, right? And so off they go simply because they got a merger and acquisition underway that equated to you being redundant. And I think that's what really sucks about this, because if the companies would have all been separate, they've all been producing stuff on their own. But the the producers, again, the job producers, not the producers of the software, all of these software engineers are crushing it. All of these artists are crushing it. All these writers are crushing it. Great and creating great worlds. And through no fault of their own, 
they get stock, they get interest in the, in the company, but then they get fired simply because they did great at the job enough to draw the attention of an investor from somewhere else. And then because the producer, the job provider says, I'm done. I want my billions off they go simply because they're not the one that has any bargaining power. Again, there could be millionaires coming out of this. Every single one of them could be fired and be a millionaire because they have vested stock interests in the company. And when the merger and acquisition takes place, they get bought out. They basically buy their shares out. They vest all of the shares and off you go. Um, but my problem is better things could have been made if everybody simply were on their own doing stuff. Now, there's other people that are going to say, well, no, you have a wrong take on this because of bigger budget, bigger everything. We could have produced bigger and better and better things. Yeah. Yeah, but more people to say no to the ideas, etc. Yeah. Yeah. And now some really great engineers are going to be, you know, sent off to the four winds. Good luck finding a gig. Yeah. Okay, we're running really late. I knew that we were doing it. So let's keep on moving. The next article is in the Daily News show. Denmark's mystery tremors caused by acoustic waves from unknown source. Scientists are puzzled by a series of minor tremors that were recorded on the Danish Baltic island of Bornholm on Saturday. Um, this is a, a quick article because there's really it's just like what's going on. Um, it's an Associated Press article. And uh, scientists are puzzled by a series of minor tremors that were recorded on the uh, Danish Baltic island of Bornholm on Saturday. They're calling them seismic events, tremors, except that the research is showing that these were air bursts of some kind, not in the ground. There's something that was in the atmosphere that detonated large enough to cause a 2.3 magnitude earthquake. I mean, that's pretty significant. Yeah. So they're saying that it was, uh, it says at first the tremors were thought to have been caused by earthquakes. Then seismologists theorized that they originated from controlled explosions in Poland, more than 90 uh, miles to the south or 140 kilometers. Um, on Monday, the Geological Survey of Denmark and Greenland, an official body that monitors the underground, <laughs> what a weird turn of phrase, said that the tremors were not caused by earthquakes, but by pressure waves from an event in the atmosphere. However, they came from an unknown source still. So they don't know where it's coming from, either the earth or the sky. They just know that something is shaking the ground. Pretty wild. This would not be the first time that we've heard stories like this of really loud noises from some unknown source or random earthquake from someplace only to find out, well, at least in terms of the earthquake, that it was caused by fracking, overzealous fracking. Um, but this is an island out in the Baltic Sea. We'll find out eventually that it's a balloon that's flying over. <laughs> that's what I was thinking of. The other thing I was thinking about is the the um, seismic uh, waves turned into music at Yellowstone. Maybe they need to do that over there as well. So what was it? 
Remember at Yellowstone, they were making music out of the seismic um, oh, right. events. So maybe yeah, they need yeah. to do that in Denmark as well. I, I don't know if they should make it entertainment just yet. Maybe they should figure out what the hell's going on first. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Roldane says that they had an earthquake in Melbourne during COVID. First ever one that they've ever felt because we're not of a part of a plate that gets them. Yeah. So do you know what it was that caused that? Um, I'll have to wait for building to answer that. Um, there's, there's, it's asynchronous communication for crying out loud. I wish that everybody was in a chat um, live right now. There's room for windows, y'all, if you want to. I can, not tonight. We'll plan it. We'll plan it properly. We'll put y'all on the air. Um, okay, so. Um, this will be monitored. I'm sure we'll find out what the next theory is, but who knows if we'll ever find out what the real problem is. Um, let's go on to the next article. So this is the last one for tonight. Fablecraft's virtual tabletop combines the best parts of D&D and video games. This is the future of tabletop role-playing games. If you're not into role-playing games, then this is probably not going to be of much interest. Um, but it's a Kickstarter and talked about at PC Gamer. Um, playing tabletop RPGs like Dungeons and Dragons online rather than in person is more common than ever, particularly since the pandemic lockdowns with websites like D&D Beyond, Roll20, Owlbear Rodeo uh, coming into their own. These virtual tabletops or VTTs offer ways to do virtual dice rolls, move icons around a battle map and view character sheets in a shared online space. All kinds of awesome here uh, because when I was growing up, I had, I think it was a total of 15 people that would all play role-playing games together um, every weekend. Uh, I mean, I lost countless hours to just hanging out with a bunch of friends playing games. And um, you know, off we go to disparate parts of the world. You know, some people are in Europe now. Some people, one person ended up in Alaska, like hugging bears or something. I don't know what he's doing. Um, it, but still others are somewhere around in the United States. Uh, but n n nobody is hanging out anymore, right? So you either find local friends um, and they may or may not be interested in actually meeting up regularly. Um, you know, we all like our alone time, but we'll meet for virtual tabletop gaming. And that's where this comes into play. Uh, I don't know why this scrolled down every once in a while. I end up scrolled down a little bit. Um, so Fablecraft's virtual tabletop combines the best parts of D and D and video games. This is the future of tabletop, uh, role-playing games, according to Rob and Valentine. A simple, accessible way to go on grand adventures with your friends online. This is not D&D though. This is basically uh, pre-developed adventures that you can play with friends. I think up to six people at a time. Um, so they say here they got a chance to try it out an early build of the game with co-creator uh, David Hoosen. Hoosen? Um, acting as games master, um, like a normal tabletop campaign, Fablecraft requires a GM to run it and up to six players, ideally three or four to take the role of the party's adventurers. Webcam and mic support ensures you don't need any other programs open. 
everything contained within the app, which launches directly out of Steam. So as soon as the dice hit the ta digital table, they're convinced. The production uh, values are what sells Fablecraft from its slick interface to its gorgeous art to yes, it's smooth and exciting dice roll animations. It just immediately puts you in the right headspace for a fantasy adventure. Now I'm not going to go through this whole article. Um, it's pretty long. Um, but basically you take on the role of various adventurers. Um, there's four in here, um, that I know of from the Kickstarter. Um, the Kickstarter is relatively inexpensive, by the way, for a hundred bucks, you can get all of what they offer uh, as an adventure and six keys that you can give to your friends. Um, there are lower values of that, but you don't get all of the same stuff. Um, and so basically you are on camera, you have a mic, you each have control over your dice. You do your role, you move your piece. Um, but everybody interacts like you're at an actual physical tabletop. So it's really up to you how big your screen is. I'm sure if you hook it up to a big screen, like a, you know, 65 inch or bigger TV, then you're basically sitting there in a room with the same people that you would normally physically be in the room with. I love the idea of this. What I don't love is that it isn't as customized as your real life adventure because you don't have your own character sheet. You don't get to tweak colors and face and um, armor and anything, really. It's kind of set the way that it's set as far as I know, but I haven't played it. So I'm waiting to make a definitive decision on this. But it I looks will like it's going to be more customizable because it says that the developer's plan is that players will be able to upload their adventures and download ones made by others. Et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. There's an actual store that's planned. Um, but it all right now it's a Kickstarter. And so you make your pledge, you get your you know cookie cutter or whatever it is that's um, produced. I love the idea of this, that it's all encapsulated in one environment as long as it's fast and and the graphics remain that high quality that's great but with a storefront that's produced by people i think vetting it is going to be um a personal decision you're going to be looking at the the content going and eh, does that really rise to the level of you know 20 bucks or however much it's going to cost for a download but like sim games where you can download and upload uh, items for a storefront man uh, some pretty amazing artists are out there and and people will write content if there is an objective there like a goal of making x amount of money per month there will be people that are creating stories adventures artwork etc and putting it up on this store so it's not the usual thing for me to do this um but i'm gonna go over to the kickstarter so you can actually i'm gonna mute this so that i don't get a dmca but you'll get to see a little bit and um all of the people that you see are well known in the cosplay role-playing game live play kind of space So 
so stylistic art that's more like um comic anime um there's dimensionality to the dice roll for those of you who are li- listening to this via the podcast um it's not just flat you know the artwork is flat but the m- mechanics that are involved in this give it some dimensionality obviously this video is produced so it what they are showing doesn't actually happen like the screen smash cuts to different players and and this type of thing isn't done um but you have a battle map and you move your hex pieces around you get loot i don't know if this is dynamic in any way but it's probably scripted like the rest of this stuff it says it has quests and other adventure mechanics but there's a story or stories because if you scroll down and look at the pledges i think there's five um different storylines that you can get when you make a purchase or when you pledge so seems like a lot of fun but everything is canned um so i don't know how long the role-playing adventure goes um, but I would suspect that it's not even close to being the shortest of my D&D adventures. Um, because, you know, I've had characters that start out at one and ended up at 18, um, which is quite a feat in Dungeons and Dragons. Um, at any rate, uh, that's it for today. There's a lot of tremendous art um, in this. It seems like it's um, well-produced, uh, and I'm curious, you know, what, what this is going to shake out to be. Um, let's see, it's actually, it had a $10,000 goal. So this is primarily marketing, um, but it's at $107,000. It started out at 101, I think when I first opened this tab. Z, thanks for hanging out. Really appreciate you being here. Brildane, if you're still here, Thank you, too, for hanging out and chatting. Um, If anybody else is in the chat lurking, I appreciate you being here, too. Um, You make all of this enjoyable even more than it already is. AI, thanks for being here and and not deleting yourself when you made a mention of Xbox. Um, (laughs) I'll never forget that Microsoft is responsible for Xbox. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, we all say things. Um, anyway, <laughs> now I don't want to, I actually want to hang out and chat, but um, we have a, we have a show. So let's, uh, let's end the show. Have a good night, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern. You want to say bye, AI? Good night, hometown citizens. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, 9 p.m. Eastern, because Central or Pacific is going to land you in basically this video replaying. Anyway, stay awesome, everybody. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye.